there's so much chatter about the value of real estate agents, especially what's the value of a buyer agent. So I would, I would say the thing that you really want to focus on is knowing your value. Okay. Being able to articulate your value. Welcome back, real estate rock stars. I am Shelby Johnson, and I'm here with Scott Harris today out of Manhattan. He's been in real estate for 20 years and primarily in the luxury realm. He leads the Harris residential team, and they have closed over a thousand transactions, over a billion dollars in volume, and just this year alone, over 125 million to date. Um, Scott, I'm so excited to talk to you about all the things. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I am delighted to be here. The best reaction. Okay, Scott, I know that you've been in real estate since 2003, which is so cool, but let's take us back a little bit. How did you get into the game? The game, the game, the game. I I actually grew up talking real estate around the kitchen table. My dad bought a warehouse when I was a young kid. And so he was in commercial real estate when interest rates were at 12 and 13 and 14%. I heard all about all of the tr all the trials and tribulations of being a commercial landlord back then, um, and how he dealt with tenants and all of the drama and and for years, you know, listening to that around the kitchen table. And in the meantime, my mom actually was a marketing director for a New Orleans. That's where I grew up in New Orleans area residential real estate brokerage, which at the time was was. It was Prudential. I think then it was Mar Merrill Lynch, but it was um, an affiliate. And so I, I got to intern there when I was in high school. I felt all the buzz of people closing deals. Um, I was answering the phones as a high school kid and then did went in a completely different direction, which was to get into the music business. So I did sales, marketing, and- Yeah, exactly. Wow. <laughs> but um, sales, marketing, and performing actually on stage- for you know, for the better part of of my twenties, so I got into real estate, sort of at the end of my rope in New York City. I you know I told my mom, look, you know things are, I'm not figuring out what I want to do here. I'd been touring as in a band for a bunch of years. In my talked to my mom, hey, I can lend you a few dollars. I talked to my stepmom. She said, Scott, I think you would be really good at residential real estate brokerage. I'm like, uh, let me give it a shot. I hadn't. Really not. I wasn't sure what I was going to do, and and that was the beginning of a beautiful, a beautiful friendship with uh with the people of New York. You know. Ah, oh, I love that. That is beautiful. Okay, so how how old were you at this point? Just I so was I twenty eight. I was twenty eight. Okay, you're so twenty eight. So I, I I was um, I moved to New York with no job, no relationship, nowhere to live. I just I had to be in New York. It was just like, I had to give this a shot. I moved here from, I was at the time living in Boston and I was ready for the big leagues. Nice. And okay. I, I needed to come and try New York and see how that worked, you know? So you, and then you tried it in the music industry and then you're like, yeah, maybe, you know, we're going to try out the real estate thing. So when you got your license, talk yep. us through the beginning. How did that look? Well, I was very surprised at the beginning because I in, I asked a few friends, hey, what are good real estate companies to go work for? And people made different recommendations. I walked into different offices. I said, you know, here I was, I, here's my college degree. I spent a bunch of years booking bands and putting bands on the road and, 
and all of the sales experience. And every single person saw me and said, oh, you can come sit here and work. I was like, this is so weird. I just was, I kept getting okays to come and, and, and what it didn't finally, it didn't dawn on me that I was working for nothing, right? I was working 100% on commission, even though, you know, really I'd always worked. I, I, I've literally never had a day of paid vacation in my whole life. So it wasn't a surprise that I needed to produce to get paid, but I just didn't put it together. And I worked for a company called City Habitats, which is got folded into Corcoran, which was founded by um, Barbara Corcoran way back when. And City Habitats did almost all rentals. So I was hustling, slinging rental apartments. It was, it was, I was really, really good at it from like day one. And I really, I have too many skeletons buried, you know, bodies buried. I did not like myself in that, but I was really good at it. And so I, I had to, ha I had a real, like a, like a dark night of the soul. I had to say to myself, okay, something's got to give here. Cause I don't like, I, don't, I just didn't like the, the, the way the rental market worked here. It was just too much of a, it just felt very, um, it just didn't feel like I had it it, a lot of integrity to it. I, yeah, I know nothing about it. So I'm actually curious what, and is it still, does the new, the rental market in New York still operate the same way? Is it? Like it's you know, slimy, it, the right it, word, right? I, I don't want. It's not. It, it is a little slimy. Um, it and and you certainly learn how to articulate your value, doing what you do. But in a lot of cases, it was people need to so much. This is the largest rental market in the United States. Okay, so there, you know, the vast majority of people rent their apartments here, and so when they come in, if you're representing the landlord, you stand between them and. The renters here will pay a commission to the broker, not the not often, not always the landlord. So it just created a situation where you you were kind of in confrontation with the renter, and even when you were representing the renter, it, there was just something about it that felt um, like I wasn't at, I didn't at the time feel like I was adding enough value, and I needed to figure out where in real estate. I was going to like feel like this is my thing. This is where you know I can all. I, I'm already good at. I, I love the real estate of it. I love the architecture and the architectural design and the and interior, everything. I just need to find my place. And as soon as I shifted into sales, it was like, oh, you know, I here's my it. psychology. Here's my psychology <laughs> degree. Here's my all the sales. You know, all of the parts of myself that were like, I'm the. I'm always the guy. Like I'm the bartender. Everybody wants to just tell me everything. And then I always, I end up listening and they, oh, you know, you should meet this person and you should meet this person. I was always the connector. And so that got my creative juices flowing. I really could help people in a more holistic way. Like meaning I could, if somebody, whatever they did, I was like, oh, I have, I know somebody who might be able to help you. It was just this constant introdu introduction machine. Unrelated to real estate, right? It was like, I just want to help people. And what happened all of a sudden is I was, the, the intuition of helping people turned, these introductions really made sense and they worked. And all of a sudden they were like, oh, you also do real estate. Let me introduce you to so-and-so and let me introduce you to so-and-so. That was really the foundation of my business as a real estate agent. 
Okay. So it was, it sounds like, you know, you mentioned your psychology degree, the fact that you had experience in sales and the fact it you're just a likable personality. It's like those factors combined led to you being that person who it sounds like business just came out of the wall, the woodwork and fell into your lap. Or was you, were you like purposeful in your marketing in the beginning? Well, having booked bands. So I, my, my job, my work before was being a, a booking agent. So and, and I want you to imagine kids, generally not sober kids, stone kids in college, right? Who are, who are the responsible decision makers to bring in acts on their campus or talent buyers for bars. I had to be super organized. So I was very, um, I was able to build like my own schedule and structure. How am I going to follow up again and again with all of these colleges? I had, so I already had the CRM the understanding of a, of a customer relationship database tool to stay organized. And then all of the, okay, I set up tasks and I set up things in my calendar. All the, the behind the scenes business of being a real estate agent was the same as what I'd already done. And so it was like, I'm, I'm actually, um, I have ADHD. So I mean, I'm flying at a million miles an hour, but I've always had good they call it like executive functioning skills, mm. which is a very complicated term for, I just know how to build structures around myself so I can keep it together. Yeah. And that's, and so that looks like for me, every, t- every time I meet someone, I'm like really nerdy about making sure they're in my database and just compiling everything. So I had everybody in one place so I could follow up in a, in a, in a systematic way. And that was really like, it wasn't, yes, I'm friendly. And yes, I was out all the time meeting people. But then I was like really obsessive about getting everybody into my database. And then I started doing a lot of marketing to that group again and again. And, and not necessarily asking for business in the most, hey, send me a referral kind of a way, but just staying in touch with everybody. And, and then I think that the thing that everybody can understand, even if you're starting in real estate, is... I, I love telling stories. I love it. Like my, one of the things I love most, I just spent some time with my dad for Thanksgiving. He just has a, a knack of just telling fun stories, whatever's going on. So for me, if I'm in real estate, I just want to tell people the story of what I'm going through. What's the experience of, of a real estate agent in New York meeting this crazy deal? Hey, I walked in on this 300 pound guy naked on his bed everybody's ears perk up. What? You know, that's a fun story it is. that not everybody gets to experience. And I hope, I really hope no one ever experiences that. <laughs> um, but in the rental world in New York, it's like I broke into apartments. I did all these things that were so nutty. And those are things that people like to hear. And as it got into sales, it was the same, like, this is how a deal came together. This was a crazy person. Just telling that story combined with just being out and helping other people. They're like, oh, this guy does real estate. And I like him and he's helping other people and kind of, it all came together. Well, it's really cool. I mean, you know, most people who would hear your resume wouldn't necessarily think that it directly correlates to real estate, but it's like you had, you, I mean, it was, you know, in, in a way a sales job, but you had this skill set, really the, the behind the scenes skill set that I feel like most people getting into the industry overlook, but it's like that piece of being able to stay organized and follow up and keep track of everyone you spoke to, that is what really makes makes or breaks it in the beginning, in my experience from what I've seen. And so, okay, I'm curious. So you have you have the skill set, you have the way of keeping track of it. And then you mentioned being really purposeful in in 
nurturing essentially those people in the database. But 2003, Scott, well, I guess it's maybe a little after that now, like, you know, Instagram, was that even a thing? Like, I don't think so. So how, how did you stay in front of people? A lot of people use social media now as a leveraged way to nurture. Did you do like one-on-one? Are you throwing like, you know, events or how are you, how are you following up with your people? Great question. Um, so, I mean, I, I like to say, like, when I met my wife, there weren't dating apps yet. There were dating websites, right? I met, you know, I, I and, and to the same extent, like, when I started, there was Craigslist. People advertised real estate on Craigslist in New York. Crazy, Whoa. right? Like, it was really web <laughs> 1.0. And so, I was one of the first people to be like, I'm going to have a Palm Pilot. Like, this is before smartphones, right? And I, like, we didn't have email access until we got to our computers. It was really, it feels like ridiculous now to even say that, but I've always been a marketer, really. Like I, when I was putting bands out, when I was performing, it's like, I was always very comfortable just making the calls, putting it out there. But like, as it relates to residential real estate, which is so relationship driven, I was, I've, I've always have gone out to networking events. I've always been in person with people engaging and then following up by email. Emails existed for a long time and I'm a good writer. So a lot of the, you know, a lot of my follow-up is, Hey, I saw this. I was thinking of you. I'd see an article very quick. I don't, there's a very short gap between when I think of someone and when I just take the action to be in touch with them. And it's genuine. I, I legitimately think of them and I send them the thing and it's not almost ever related to real estate unless it's something that I already know they're thinking about real estate. So there was like a lot of that where I would look through a list, who are the five or 10 people today I want to reach out to? And I do that, plus all the sort of just random things that pop into your world. You're walking down the street, you see a restaurant. Oh, you were talking about that. How are you? What's going on? And, but, you know, behind all of it, I think there's one other thing I want to mention. Please. Is that as I as I got more and more engaged in real estate, I also realized why I seem to love doing this is that when I was a kid, you know, my parents got divorced when I was eight and I was one of these kids that bounced back and forth and back and forth between my parents' houses. I moved like no joke, like 500 times. If I really think about the amount of times I every two weeks moving back and forth and then just being on the road in, co- in, in college performing and after college, I felt like, like homeless. And I mean that in a, like, like rudder, like rootless and real estate and getting, you know, buying my first apartment and just building this life. I realized as I was doing this for other people, it was this super satisfying thing. Like I loved it. It was like healing my broken home. And so kind that. of finding that why. Yeah realizing like, oh my God, I'm doing some really good, something good. This, I'm not selling widgets, right? I'm really, people are going to have, get married after they move into this place together. People are going to have babies. People are really knowing that and discovering that inside myself gave me the energy to do all of this follow-up day to day. But I think one other thing I want to uh, go back to old school, so to speak, I started a newsletter. We're talking like an email newsletter in 2000, about 14 years ago. Like I, I, I love writing. I just wanted to have something to say. I created the content and sent it out without fail every single month, no matter what. And that consistency, I, I really do believe that the consistency of whatever an agent wants to do 
it almost doesn't, people get all caught up in being perfect. If you just do something consistently, that says a whole bunch of little things. I tell my team all the time, it says, okay, I'm the kind of person that shows up and does what they say they're going to do. I'm just staying in front of people. I have something to say. I have an opinion. I'm an advisor. I'm not a, an order taker. I, I, I am studying this market, whatever, whatever market, wherever it is. And that slowly registers for people that this is a person I can count on. And I think that, you know, over time that really, I, of course, now I do all the things and I love, I love shooting video because it's so silly and ridiculous. And, um, and I'm, you know, I have fun with it. Um, but you have to find the kind of, you know, the right channel that works for you. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that um, done is better than perfect and consistency over time is going to win, whether it's, you know, like you mentioned, where it establishes that like trust and respect and um, confidence in you from clients. But it also proves something in yourself that like every time you do something that you say that you're going to do it, like it somehow validates you to yourself and continues to push you forward. I don't know if that made sense. But <laughs> yeah, of course you're, you, you're, you're telling yourself, I'm the person that shows up on a consistent basis. I'm right. You know, I'm the person that even if I'm not feeling awesome, you know, I'm, I'm getting that thing out. I'm doing, I'm doing it. I say, I'm going to do it and I do it. I'm making commitments to myself and I'm following through and you do that enough. It, you know, it's the same thing as going to the gym when you feel lousy, you know, there's an accountability to what you do and you know if you're letting yourself off the hook and not every look maybe you need a, an accountability partner maybe you need an agent in your office that says you know i'm going to do this here's my commitment i'm writing this thing down i'm going to you know i'm going to send five instagram i'm going to make five instagram posts or i'm you know whatever the thing is that you're going to do on a regular basis you know you can just commit to that to somebody else and then okay how's that going i did that so there's, there's such power in the commitment that you make to yourself. Boom. Yeah, totally. Okay, Scott, we have, we started with the rentals, then we're in residential sales. Can we continue, yeah. keep, keep us continuing through the evolution of Scott Harris? Okay. 2004, sorry, 2005, um, I moved to the Corcoran Group, which was owned by the same company, but really focused on sales. and that was really exciting. I was doing my own business for the rental company. When I moved to Corcoran, I joined a team, which was at the time really more about camaraderie and getting involved. And that was, I was just cutting my teeth. I was starting to get a, a little bit of listing business. Most people work with more buyers than sellers when they start. And so that was kind of building and building. And I was still doing a ton of rental business. Fast forward 2007, um, the team that I was on had the chance to work on a new development. So if, if anybody watches TV, any of the, you know, the big towers that are being built and pop up around Manhattan, I was, uh, had the chance to go work on a beautiful shiny tower on Madison Square Park, which is on 23rd and Madison, right at the foot of Madison Avenue as it goes uptown. And it was a real opportunity for me to both, to get to be on the ground level, the ground floor, so to speak, with developers, helping them think through finishes and size of apartments and layouts and being in the room with amazing star architects and and then ultimately meeting and doing the same pitch on this building with a with a partner we would switch on and off 
really pitching the building and all the amenities and everything on a not it wasn't ready yet it wasn't built yet but pitching it with a with a in a sales office to kind of captains of the universe at the time this was like the downtown property and really special and so i was able to do that the new development marketing and sales along with my resale business and everything came scratching screaming to a halt in 2009 but I had learned, I was really like doing it, like you know, all working so hard, you know, 80 hours, whatever, how many hours a week, a week there could, you can work. I was working those. And when 2009 hit, it was a, it was a crazy time, but um, I had already built a business to the point where I was starting to get real listings. And I think everybody had to take, it, it's kind of like that same thing that happened in 2020. It was a chance to, to kind of retrench what can I learn? How can I improve? And then it, luckily the recession was four quarters. So it was like a 12 month period. And then really things shot up again from 2010. Sorry, we can just go on and on, but it was, you know, it, it, no, it's it kept moving. Well, I really like, yeah. I like hearing about this stuff just because there's so many people in our industry who weren't around when, you know, there was anything like, like this that happened in 2008, 2009. And so like, I'm always fascinated when there's people who were in real estate before it and went all the way through it and are still in it. I'm like, you guys know so much about the history and, you know, what to do in these times of whether you call it a crisis or not. So you're, yeah. yeah, I think it's very interesting. Here's a quick commercial break from our sponsor, Ryan Pineda. If you are trying to grow your real estate investing business, then you need to join us at Wealthy Investor. You have no idea what Wealthy Investor is. It is our coaching program and community. We have helped thousands of students worldwide grow their business. Now, it doesn't matter if you're just getting started and you're trying to get that first deal. We can help you do that. If you're trying to scale your business and go from a few deals a year to a few deals a month or even seven figures a year, we can help you do that too. In fact, last year alone, we had over 30 students do over a million dollars in revenue. And I'd love for you to be the next one. So it's pretty simple. If you're trying to grow your business and wholesale more homes or flip more homes or buy more rental properties, then you need to go to wealthyinvestor.com and book a free call with our team. It's super simple. We'll go on a strategy call with you and figure out how we can help you grow according to your needs. So all you got to do is go to wealthyinvestor.com, book the free call with the team, and we'll see you there. Now back to the show. Yeah, I, I think people forget. I, I, I guess what I would say to any agent if they're starting out, and right now I know inventory is an issue in a lot of places. Um, we're lucky in that we have, we have a, a fair amount of inventory, but I've heard numbers like inventory is down 90% in some markets. There's always something to do. I'm the kind, I'm like a restless person. I always want to try a new thing and try this and that. There's always something to do with your business. So, you know, certain times of year, it's slower. So amp up your marketing, you know, amp up your outreach in the summer, you know, do more networking events. There's always something when you have extra time, there's always something to do. And no matter when it is, you just can't let the the work you do to build your pipeline go away. So many people like work in their business so much, they don't work on their business totally. and they just forget to nurture their pipeline. I love it. And I think it's like, you you have to have enough structure to be like, all right, there are five things that are that I can do today. 
and I'm working on this, 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 but like, how do I, if, you know, if something eases up, what's the other thing you can push up and do more of? I have a question about the developers. I also think that's really interesting. I, you know, if I was listening to this, I'd be like, well, you know, you got into that opportunity through your team. Do you have any advice or recommendations, hypothetically, if there was someone who really wanted to get into that space, any tips that you would give them on how to get a foot in the door? Well, it, it can happen in a lot of different ways. You know, you, you're, you're going to be working with buyers, Okay. Um, so if you have buyers go tour new property, if you happen to be in an area that a lot of the new development is single family homes, well, selling a single family home, a spec house is not that different. And so you're really lucky. I mean, the key is just to, to start selling a lot of houses and go to see a lot of houses. So even if you don't have buyers, go and see the inventory. I tour almost every new development there is. So I can say, okay, what are the finishes that are good? Who are the good developers? You know, I can end up talking. I can go to networking events and talk about properties. I just, I can speak the language. So that's what you can do, right? Understand what your inventory is. And then, I mean, the more, it's funny. What do they say? It's, you kind of make your own luck, right? Like you have to go and throw a lot against the wall and, and there's gotta be some lucky break usually within the work you do, if anybody says, okay, how did I get this like one particular deal? You can look back and say, oh, that came from this. And, and then I met, because I met that person, because I met that person, because I met that person, right? I, I sold about $40 million. I looked at it once, about $40 million of property because I cold called a landlord in 2003. That was actually advertising in the village voice, which is like a, when people used to advertise in the classifieds. So. There's, there's gotta be some, something, if you do a good job and you really like step up and say, I'm going to figure this out on one deal. If you just apply that can do attitude to no matter where you are in your career, it's going to expand in some way, but like new development, it's, it's, it's really just knowing the inventory and so that you can speak about it and getting good at your marketing and your sales. And then there's going to be some opportunity to pitch something. I mean, I've, I've not, I've not, you know, I, I've helped developers sell the last unit. Sometimes they'll say, Hey, come and finish, sell this penthouse for me. Right. Or something like that. And I, I'm so grateful for those opportunities. And so, you know, you gotta, early in your career, you gotta say yes to a lot. Um, and, and then it, you'll see kind of where it goes. Totally. In the beginning, say yes to everything, take every opportunity and learn as much as you can. And then in my opinion, it's like after that, that data collection phase, it's identify your niche and then put your blinders on and focus at least until you've built it up again, that you can pick your head up and then expand. I want to finish your story. So we have, we have the rentals, we are on the sales, we have the team or the development. And because now you're running this like huge team, what is happening in between? Well, I, I want to make sure I'm, I'm a big fan of making fun of myself and, and calling out all my failures uh, in front of as many people as possible. So, you know, for thousands of, of agents and people who are listening here, I, you know, I've made so many mistakes. It's not even funny. The team started 2011. So I, my, my second, my daughter, my middle child was born and I, I was working so much. I said, you know, if I don't get an assistant, I'm never going to see my kids. And so I started, I started with an assistant and we started doing our marketing. So like things started to build from there. 
And then I would say the first five years of running a team was like one, not catastrophe, but like one mistake after the next. I burned, burned through a bunch of assistants because I was a jerk. Then I would either give agents too much of a split or too little to work on my listings, or I wouldn't train them. I wouldn't do a great job of communicating what I needed, on and on and on. And But at the same time, I knew I needed people to help. So you kind of like, you know, it, it, it's a lot of trial and error. And in 2014, I had this blowout year. It was, the market was really good. And I was sitting down at the end of the year, just writing thank you notes, or maybe at the beginning of 2015, like, oh my God, I just had my best year to my clients. Thank you so much for, you know, trusting me, all of these things. And at the same time, it occurred to me, oh my God, I just had my best year and I'm really not happy. Like I'm like, I'm smiling while I'm saying it because I know I'm, I came out on the other side, but I was like, I had, I was having a real crisis. I needed to figure out how can I have fun and really, you know, and, and also grow my business. And like, how, how can I re rethink this? And I ended up hiring a couple different business coaches to think about how, how to run my business and what, what are the things that I'm really, really good at? And what are the things that I need to delegate? And how do I communicate better? And that, so there was this whole time when I was retooling the business. Because for a minute there, I was like, I could maybe I can just go into development and just focus on that rather than brokerage. Um, but what I realized was it was just how I structured the team. And I ended up hiring more of an operations person and then an, and an admin, like a team. They call a lot of the, the phrase that most people know is transaction coordinator. Luckily in New York, we don't have to do 400 transactions a year to, to have a viable business. And God bless all the people out there who have to do hundreds of transactions. Bro, it's tough um, to tell you. <laughs> it's, it's, um, it, it's, it's a different animal completely. So we built it slowly. We had some, you know, we'd have somebody come in, then they would leave. And, uh, but I would say by the time it, uh, maybe 2018, 19 rolled around. So like four years down the road. I felt like I, I was really on to something and had more of, a, of an operations person that was a, like an operating partner, so to speak, and started to get um, people on the team that were more specialized. So someone right now, I have an incredible um, woman named Chloe who works with me with all my buyers. So we meet every single day to, to go through what are the listings that, that might work for our buyers? What's the follow-up? What do we have to do? We just sit on Zoom actually most of the time and just go through that. And, um, and then I meet, and I, I've realized this is not something that everybody does, but I love it. And if I'm going to have people on the team that I, I really want them to grow, it's, it's a commitment, but I meet with them every other week to like, what are your, what's your, your, we really build out a, a really um, sophisticated kind of goal setting and accountability practice. But like, how can I help inspire them, come up with new ideas to, achieve the, the vision that they have for their business. And in doing that, it's like a never-ending source of, of ideas on you know, how, what I'm going to talk about, what are the deals. We meet as a team three times a week, twice online and on Zoom and once in person. And we go around the table. We really have built a culture um, where we, we talk about what we're grateful for and what we're proud of and like what is it about, you know, we know each other. And we know all the stories and all the ins and outs of their deals. So every person on the team can own the whole business. And they can tell the stories of every deal as if it's 
the thing they're working on. Back to the storytelling. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, Scott, I know there's people who are listening who really resonate with the, you know, the five-year turmoil period of like, you know, hire, fire, not training, throwing, you know, spaghetti at the wall type of thing. But then you mentioned hiring an ops person and you mentioned operating partner. And I was curious, could you please help define what that hire looks like? Because like you said, TC, transaction coordinator, everyone is pretty familiar with that, but the definition of ops varies. What is your definition for that person? Well, I can, I can start to, sometimes it's easier to describe what it, you know, what something is by what it's not, right? So an operations person doesn't have to have the vision for what the business is. They don't have to have the business development. They don't have to have the necessarily even like a lot of out outward facing client facing role the operations person is someone who can execute on your vision every whether it's once a day or once a week or every twice a week go through the different kind of labels of your business the hr element the marketing element you know the the transaction element what are the different things what that need the 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 different um initiatives that you're putting into place you know really execute throughout the year and kind of deal with the day-to-day of members of the team so that you can focus, you meaning that I can focus on business development and you know, outward facing, generating business, talking, getting things sold, inspiring the team, coming up with new ideas on, on social media marketing, what are we going to talk about and how to stay positive and moving things forward. But the operations person is like keeping the trains running on time. And to a certain extent, you know, they, they can come from everywhere. Um, they have to learn real estate. And thank God, I have a, a, an incredible operation, operating partner named Karen who was in, was in real estate for many years in a slightly different role, but helping to recruit. That's an, another really amazing thing that somebody can do in that role um, and help you just stay in touch, look at different, you know, for CRMs, they can look for new things, new technologies. They can interview um, a marketing people. We hired a full-time marketing person. They can kind of just help with some of the, with all of the functions that are not related to, I, I think of myself like a CEO and then she's a COO, right? That's, that's the way I think about it. And I run, I do the same at, at home. My wife is the COO and I'm the CEO. Like I'm just operations wise and super detailed things. It's just not where my call it like my strengths are, you know? And so again, I have like structure that works for me, but um, I think it's, if you know, know your, know your genius and then kind of build your team around, around the things that you're not that great at. And you're going to find, and some people are amazing at operations, so they may not want to delegate that as much because they can build the systems that really work. Um, but some people will need a, an operations person to kind of, to kind of do it for them or with them really. Makes sense. I think everyone out there is like, I want a Karen. <laughs> I want someone to do all the things that you I, listed. <laughs> I thank her every, every day. Like she's really unbelievably great. Yeah. And, um, and we have a great working relationship. Thank God. I have, so good. I have one more question before we go to the tool that you brought for our listeners. My last question is you mentioned okay. you hired a full-time marketing person. You've also mentioned marketing like a ton in this conversation so far. Um, what does that full-time yeah. marketing person do that you just hired? Okay. 
you can imagine when if you're starting out, you're going to have maybe a, an assistant, you know, or somebody really helping you out to just market your listings. So what what do the email blasts look like? Maybe you're doing your own, your own, you're doing your own Instagram. You're doing all your own social. You're, um, you're creating your own marketing pieces, your show sheets for properties and all of those things. But at some point, if you have enough business, the marketing person in New York's very noisy. So we have to cut through that noise. So how do we build our presence on different social channels? So she's, scheduling a lot of the content that goes out on Instagram or TikTok. Um, she's, she's scheduling and coordinating when we do video shoots. Um, we're, we're constantly trying to be ahead. Um, I do a lot of the writing for our LinkedIn. So, you know, I love, I love LinkedIn. It's such a, for me, it's like just so positive and I can add a lot of value for people and stay in front of people in a way that makes sense for me. It's, it may not be for everyone, but there's just a consistency across the whole thing that a marketing person can help do. And by the way, we had hired all these third-party people to help with Instagram and everything else. And frankly, we felt like once you sort of took A plus B plus C plus D, it made more sense to bring somebody in-house. Um, and this is one of those times when if you happen to be in your, in your 40s, you're like, you know what? There's somebody who's younger who really can do this better. Um, it's, it's a real, it's, it's like owning, owning your strengths again. It's like, you know what? I love, I, I love, um, I love when somebody is better at something than I am. Love it. I, I like that you mentioned, let, let them do it. Yeah, no, totally. Um, I like that you mentioned just in that list of things that they do scheduling new video shoots because, you know, I've checked out your Instagram and guys, if you're listening, you should go to the Harris residential team on Instagram. I should have his LinkedIn pulled up because that's what you mentioned, but it's cool because I can yeah. tell that the quality of the footage is high and that quality of footage is hard to do without professional help. But as soon as you do bring in, you bite the bullet, whatever the cost may be, it really transforms the look of your brand online. And for you in particular, especially in New York, you mentioned it being noisy. And in this luxury space, I just really feel like it's probably the only way to go and it, it looks great. You know, I would, I would just say one more thing because people have this idea like I'm going to do this thing and it's going to work and that's that. And like I had some, like Scott had some magic wand to make all of his marketing work. But the truth is we've tried so many different things with so many different companies and, you know, tried this and, and it didn't work. And we tried that and it didn't work. I mean, constantly, constantly changing. We're, we're doing something on LinkedIn. We, we just, I found a whole bunch of really cool real estate quotes that I think are inspirational and we've been posting them and they're not getting the same reaction as other stuff we're posting. We're like, all right, well, that didn't work. Moving on. You know, that kind of thing. It's, it's, there's no, you can't have ego in your marketing because it, you can't control the outcome. You create the best stuff you can and then figure it, you know, see what, see how it goes and do more of the stuff that works. It is so weird Period. though. Like I, I've recently gotten back on Instagram. I took like a year and a half off and I've been posting and there's these things that I've like, you know, really thought through and I think are really impactful for me and my evolution. And I thought that it would, you know, touch other people. And those are the ones that are like duds. And the ones where I'm like, yeah. this, this isn't that cool, whatever. Everyone likes it. I'm like, okay, clearly <laughs> I just have to adjust and listen. Um, and you're right. Don't, don't get caught up in, in the output. It's all about the input. Talk to me. I, I want to make sure I understand that. Um, 
Because that's I, I haven't heard somebody put it. It's not about the output; it's about the yeah. input. Meaning the care you put into no, it. No, it's or it's the what do you mean by that? that? You put in to not about the results. So in the social media example, it's like, yeah, are yeah. you you know putting forth the best ever? Are you scripting? Are you recording at a high quality? Are you editing? Like, are you posting consistently? Like, what actions are you control able to control to put input into your business? Yeah, and then the outputs yeah. are like the the vanity metrics. You know, the likes, the, all of the things that we yeah. care so much about, but at the end of the day, that is not as important as making sure that we're taking those consistent actions and doing what we need to do inwardly. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's, totally. I mean, it's totally stolen from Alex Ramosi, everything. Do you know Alex Ramosi? He's like the best. Okay. Sure. <laughs> he's a little, he's a little more muscly than I, than I am. I would love to, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's super, he's all over LinkedIn. Yeah. And, well, I mean, um, he's it's, fun, it's probably, it's the to, nose strip. To, That's uh, the only thing you're missing. You, you're good. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. Well, Scott, we have to bring it back to your tip sheet. So uh, listeners, Scott submitted a tip sheet with several tips on them for you to check out at realestaterockstarsnetwork.com and go to the toolbox. You can get it for free. And since we don't have time to go through all of them, I was wondering if you had a favorite that you would like to share. Yes. And I think it's it's actually something very relevant to today because there's so much chatter about the value of real estate agents, especially what's the value of a buyer agent. So I would, I would say the thing that you really want to focus on is knowing your value. Okay. Being able to articulate your value. So some people for some people, it might be that you really know a particular neighborhood up and down. For some people, it may be a certain segment. Maybe you really know mansions or you really know, you know condos above a certain price point. Know your market. Know that value that you bring. Sometimes you're just... For us, I think we are incredibly strategic in the way we think about the offers that we recommend, just how we're thinking about keeping deals together, being creative, pulling buyers and sellers together. And it's not just knowing your value kind of bigger, but at every step of the process, what's the value you add? The more you know your value, the more you can articulate it, but also the more you can be confident in what you do. So that you're going in this going, I'm not just picking up a, you know, that I'm just getting lucky and doing this and representing people and you're not just nice and people trust you. It's like, I actually know the value that I add at every step. And, and it, it just gives you this like superpower that no matter whatever noise is, oh, you know, people are fighting you because they don't think you're worth this and that, you know, actually without me, that deal wouldn't have happened. And without me, that deal wouldn't have happened. And it doesn't matter the price point, but just know the value you bring and be able to tell stories about different times when you added that value, the very specific thing that shifted the conversation and made a deal come together or kept the deal alive, that is going to serve you better than anything Ooh, else. That's so good. Because as you were mentioning, you know, know your value, I always pretend I'm hearing it as if I'm a listener. And the, the listener in me was like, well, man, how do I even know what my value is? Like I'm doing these deals and they're getting done, but I don't know. But then you, you tied it all together where it's like you think back through the trans, you have to take the time to reflect and think back through the transaction and identify those pieces in which you, you know, did really well to smooth something over to the point where the client didn't even know it was a problem because you fixed everything magically, or you know, you had a transaction that was about to fall through and you had a creative solution to pull it together. I, I think that that the way that you articulated that and then brought it back to being able to tell stories is like a really 
beautiful. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay. Uh, now we had to wrap up. Okay. First question is what is something cool that you've learned recently? It doesn't have to be real estate related or business related. It can be life or it can be business. One thing I learned recently is how to pickle mustard seeds. Very strange what? thing. I make pickles in New York. This isn't something you hear a lot of Never. people do, but I learned, I saw a recipe on how to pickle mustard seeds and I tried it and it's like delicious on so many things. Okay. I feel like we need the recipe. Ball, Can this also be uploaded into our toolbox, Scott? <laughs> Definitely. Okay, perfect. I'm going to hold you to that. We need it. We need to know. Okay. Okay. My next wrap up question is what events are you going to in the next 12 months, if any? The next events. I love Brown Harris Stevens uh, is the company I work for. We are part of Leading RE, which is a, a across the world group of privately held companies. So I'm very likely going to go to Vegas for the next conference, um, which is amazing. And I just, I get to learn from so many agents. So that's something I'm definitely attending. Um, I, I'm certainly, I'm, where am I going? I mean, I'm attending a lot of different network events. Um, Philanthropies that I care about. Um, I'm going to attend no shortage of of volleyball games with my daughters. That's awesome. <laughs> and uh, and hanging out with you know on the on the baseball field with my my seven and a half year old oh, too. So cool. Among many other things. Okay, perfect. Okay, Scott, how can listeners help you in your business? One thing I love is engaging with real estate agents from across the country. So they can follow me on LinkedIn. If they look at Scott Harris, they're likely to find me there. Check out what's going on. Um, if they have questions about New York City, so many people love New York and so many people end up sending business from all over the country. So I think for this audience, no question, the best way they can help is to get in touch and talk about you know, how I can help their clients and help them, make, help the, help them look good. Perfect. Love it. Okay. And you, you hit on my wrap up, my final question already, but it's where can people find you? So follow Scott Harris on LinkedIn. Anything else? Is that the best place? Yeah, they can go, they can go to harrisresidential.com. Uh, we write a ton. We, I write a ton of content that's more long form thinking about deals. Um, every deal, we, you know, we, we lay out the, the structure of a deal once a month. We talk about what this market looks like and what we're doing to really advise clients. And um, so, you know, that's a, the blog is really great. And, you know, there's some sneak peek, you know, next year we're going to be relaunching our podcast, but I, we can, people can follow me, email me, reach out, and we're going to be talking to a lot of real people across the country about what it's like to, uh, to, to buy real estate and all of the psychology that goes behind it. I love it. See, and now you're looping back in your psychology major. You're just... Full circle. Love it. And I will not forget about these pickled mustard seeds. <laughs> Scott, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We loved, I loved having you. I'm sure listeners did too. And guys, if you want to hang out with me and the owner of the show, we are the Shelby Show and Aaron Amujastegi on the gram. Hit us with feedback as always. We want to know how we can improve. And y'all, that is all we have for today. So Scott, again, thanks for coming on the show and real estate rock stars. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>